Hello, and welcome to EDU, Eric DeReese University. I'm Dr. DeReese. Let's get started, shall we? Writing Literature Reviews, Chapter 4. General Guidelines for Analyzing Literature. Now that you have identified the preliminary set of articles for your review, you should begin the process of analyzing them prior to writing your review. This chapter is designed to help you through this process. Uh, the end result will be two important products. One, a working draft of your reference list, and two, a set of note cards that will contain specific detailed information about each article, both of which you will need before you begin to write. Guideline one, <clears throat> scan the articles to get an overview of each one. Obviously, you read the titles of the articles when you selected them, and you probably also read the abstracts, in other words, summaries. The most uh, that, that most journals include near uh, the beginning of each article. Next, you should read the first few paragraphs of each article where the author usually provides a general introduction to his or her problem area. This will give you a feel for the author's writing style as well as his or her general perspectives on the research problem. Then jump to the last paragraph before the heading method, which is usually the first major heading in the text of each research article. This is a paragraph in which it is traditional for researchers to state their specific hypothesis, research questions, or research pur uh, purposes. <clears throat> Next, scan the rest of the article, noting all headings and subheadings. Scan the text in each subsection, but do not allow yourself to get caught up in the details or any points that seem difficult or confusing. Your purpose at this point is to get an overview. Note that by following this guideline, you will be pre-reading which is a technique widely recommended by reading specialists as the first step in reading a technical report. Because pre-reading gives you an overview of the purpose and contents of a report, it helps you keep your eye on the big picture as you subsequently work through the details of a research report from beginning to end. The information you gain by pre-reading will also help you group the articles into categories as suggested in the next guideline. Example 4.1.1 shows in bold a typical set of major headings for a short research report in a journal. Let's see, title, followed by a researcher's name and institutional affiliations. Abstract, a summary of the complete report. An introduction in which related literature is reviewed follows the abstract, typically. There is no heading called introduction. <coughs> Method, participants or subjects, measures or instrumentation, results, discussion. Longer articles will often contain additional headings such as assumptions, uh, definitions, experimental treatments, limitations, and so on. Scanning each of these sections will help prepare you to navigate when you begin to read the article in detail from beginning to end. The last heading in a research article is usually discussion. Researchers often reiterate or summarize their research purposes, research methods, and major findings in the first few paragraphs under this heading. Reading this section of a report on research will help you when you read the results section in detail, which can be difficult if it contains numerous statistics. Guideline two, based on your overview, see guideline one, group the article articles by category. Sort the articles you have uh, amassed into stacks that correspond roughly to the categories of studies you will describe. You may choose to organize them in any number of ways, but the most common practice is to first organize them by topic and subtopic, and then in chronological order within each subtopic. Example 4.2.1 shows a possible grouping of articles into categories and subcategories 
for a review of research literature on psychological effects, on the psychological effects of meditation. And here it is. Uh, one, theoretical considerations about the effects of meditation. A, what is meditation? B, meditation as a means to trans to transformed consciousness. Um, colon, Indian theoretical approaches. One, Hindu approaches to meditation. Two, Buddhist approaches to meditation. C, meditation as a means to self-regulation. Colon, Western theoretical approaches. One, cultivating mental balances. Two, specific effects of mindfulness practice. A, effects via attention control. B, effects via a shift in perspective. D, what could have been predicted? One, uh, predictions of the Indian theoretical approaches. Two, predictions of the Western theoretical approaches. Three, common predictions. And section two, studies, dependent measures, and moderator variables. A, selection of studies. B, categorization of studies. One, classification of independent measures. Two, potential moderating variables. A, kind of control group. B, design of studies. C, randomization. D, publication outlet. E, year of publication. F, kind of meditation. G, amount of meditation practice. Okay, so example 4.2.2 shows a possible grouping of articles into categories and subcategories for review of research literature on smoking cessation and menopause. I'm not going to read this whole thing um, for recording. Organizing the articles into categories will facilitate your analysis if you read all the articles in each category or subcategory at about the same time. For instance, it will be easier to synthesize the literature on the effects of weight gain during the menopausal transition. Uh, see point 2A in example 4.2.2 if all articles on the topic are read together, starting with the most recent one. Guideline 3. Organize yourself before reading the articles. It is important to organize yourself prior to beginning a detailed reading of articles. Uh, you will need a computer, a pack of note cards to write your comments on, and several packs of self-adhesive flags that you can use to identify noteworthy comments. You can use different colored self-stick flags to mark different sub subtopics, different research methods, a review article or landmark study, or anything else that should be noted or might help you organize your review. If you are using a computer, you can use different colors of highlighting um, available on word processing programs instead of colored flags or note cards. Guideline 4. Use a consistent format in your notes. After you have organized the articles, you should begin to read them. As you read, summarize the important points and write them on the note cards. Develop a format for recording your note cards about the articles you will be reading and use the same format consistently. Building consistency into your notes at this stage and the process will pay off later when you start to write the review. As has been noted, you will encounter considerable variation across studies and your notes should be consistent and detailed enough for you to be able to describe both differences and similarities across them. Uh, example 4.4.1 illustrates the recommended format for recording your notes. Remember to note the page numbers whenever you copy an author's word verbatim. Uh, direct quotations should always be accompanied by page numbers and it will save your, you considerable time later in the process if you already have the page numbers noted. Make sure the double check, to double-check your quotes for accuracy. Uh, let's see. Uh, the example given here shows um, author's name, title of article, publication year, name of journal, volume number, page number. Um, number one, what is the main point of the article? Number two, describe the methodology used. Include numbers of participants, controls, treatments, etc. Three, describe the findings. Four, what, if anything, is notable about this article? Uh, is it a landmark study? Does it have flaws? 
Is it an experimental study? Is it uh, qualitative or quantitative? And so on. Number five, note specific details you find especially relevant to the topic of your review. Make this as long as necessary. The points in example 4.4.1 are given as examples to guide you through this process. In an actual case, you may choose to disregard one or more of them, or you may decide that others are more appropriate. You may need to create several note cards per source. For instance, you might have a card for each article on the main point of the article, another one on the research methodology used, and so on. It may also be helpful to use a separate card to make notes of questions or concerns you have as you read a particular article, or to note any conclusions you may reach about the validity of the research. These notes can later be incorporated into your paper, perhaps in your discussion or conclusion, and using a separate card for this will save you valuable time later. These cards will also be quite helpful if you decide to build tables that summarize groups of studies for presentation in your literature review. Guidelines for building such tables are presented in Chapter 7. For each article, one card should contain the complete bibliographic details, while the other cards on the, on the article should be coded with just part of the bibliographic information, such as the first author's last name, um, a key word from the article, or from the title of the article, and the year of publication. Guideline 5. Look for explicit definitions of key terms in the literature. It should not surprise you that different researchers sometimes define key terms in different ways. If there are major differences of opinion on how the variables uh, you will be uh, writing about should be defined, you will want to make notes on the definitions. In fact, if several different definitions are covered, you might find it helpful to prepare a separate set of cards containing just the definitions. To see the importance of how a term is, is uh, defined, Consider definitions of justice programs and entertainment-based justice programs in example 4.5.1. It excludes programs that are more than one hour long and ones that are based on real events from the study. Another researcher who uses a definition without these exclusions might obtain uh, different results. As a reviewer, you will want to note such differences in definitions because they may help to explain uh, discrepant results from study to study. And here it is. Considered a particular genre or general category of TV entertainment, Gitlin 1979 Justice programs, sometimes called police dramas, crime dramas, legal shows, or lawyer shows, were defined as half-hour uh, or one-hour television programs that focus on some aspect of the criminal justice system, such as law enforcement, criminal prosecution, courts, or corrections. Furthermore, entertainment-based justice programs were defined as fictional, that is, characters and events are fictional. They do not portray real-life characters or actual events. Using these definitions, the researcher discovered 13 entertainment-based justice programs being broadcast, um, which included NYPD Blue, uh, NYPD Blue, etc. Make special note of authoritative definitions, uh, in other words, definitions offered by uh, experts, which you can quote or summarize. For instance, the author of example 4.5.2 cites a definition used by a professional association in the literature review. Um, throughout, and here it is, throughout the article, I adopt the definition of terrorism used by the Department of Defense, the calculated use of unlawful violence or threat of unlawful violence is, is uh, to inculcate fear intended to coerce or to intimidate governments or societies in the pursuit of goals that are generally political, uh, religious, or ideological. Keep separate note cards with definitions of related terms. For instance, consider example 4.5.3, in which the term sex uh, differences is defined separately from the term 
uh, gender differences. Although, and here it is, um, although terminology in the field is not standardized, sex differences generally refers to biological differences or psychological differences stemming from biological origins, whereas gender differences uh, generally refers to social cultural differences, socially constructed differences, or differences in which the origin is unknown. In this meta-analysis, we are unable to make claims about the casual origins of differences in self-conscious emotion, emotional experience between men and women, thus insofar as the origin of uh, such differences remains unknown, we use the term gender differences to refer to differences in the emotional uh, experience between men and women. Note that it is usually a good idea to present definitions of key terms near the beginning of a literature um, review. Consider pointing out contrasting terms when citing a definition which is done in example 4.5.4. And here it is, collectivism, a concept that emphasizes close, nurturing, and supportive interpersonal relationships is valued in most Latino cultures over individualism, um, which is a more prominent value in mainstream U.S. culture. Collectivism points to Latinos' tendency to think of collective well-being, that is, that of the family over one's individual needs. Guideline six, look for key statistics to use near the beginnings of your literature review. Keep a separate set of note cards with key statistics that you might want to cite near the beginning of your literature review. Uh, example 4.6.1 shows the first sentence of a literature review on intimate partner violence. Note that, that citing a specific percentage is a much stronger beginning than a general statement such as many individuals in the United States are victimized by their partners uh, would be. And here it is. Over 10% of women and men in a nationally representative uh, United States sample have reported victimization by their partners within the prior 12 months, uh, reflecting the high prevalence of intimate partner violence in the country. Citing statistics at the beginning of a literature review is optional, with some topics lending themselves more to the technique than others. However, if you plan to start uh, with a reference to quantities, um, uh, in other words, for example, some adolescents frequently votes prefer, it is desirable to provide a specific estimate if it is available. For many topics in the social and behavioral sciences, relevant statistics can be found online at um, census.gov. Guideline 7, pay special attention to review articles on your topic. If you find literature review articles, uh, in other words, articles that consist solely of a literature review that is not just an introduction to a report of original research, on your topic or a closely related topic, read them carefully and make notes that will allow you to summarize them in your literature review. Uh, this was done by the authors of examples uh, 4.7.1 and 4.7.2, in which they briefly summarized a preview review, a previous review in their review. And here it is. A recent review of studies on the psychological health of cancer survivors reported that the prevalence of anxiety ranges by study from 6% to 23%, and the prevalence of depression from 0 to 58%. Um, the variance in these estimates can be explained by the diversity of the cancer survivor samples from which these prevalence estimates have been derived. Samples differed with respect to time since diagnosis, type of cancer, stage of disease, and cancer treatment. <clears throat> and here's another one. For example, a recent review on adolescents' religious, re, religious, religiosity and mental health revealed that religious adolescents showed fewer internalizing and externalizing problems and had higher psychological well-being. 
Guideline 8, prepare note cards with short, notable quotations that might be used very sparingly in your review. Um, direct quotations should be used very sparingly in literature reviews. This is because the use of too many quotations can interrupt the flow of the narrative. In addition, the writer of a review is usually able to summarize and paraphrase points more succinctly than the original author, who is uh, obligated to provide more details on the research than the reviewer is. Nonetheless, there are instances in which an especially apt statement might be worthy of being quoted in a literature review. For instance, in example 4.8.1, the writers are reviewing literature on uh, attachment and parenting. The quoted material succinctly defines the term attachment in this review. Bowlby, 1969, described attachment as a, as a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings, page 194, defining it as an emotional bond established with someone who is perceived as a source of security and who provides a safe base from which individuals explore the world, Bowlby, 1988. An another appropriate use of quotations is when citing legal matters where the exact wording is important and even a small change in wording might change its legal meaning. Example 4.8.2 shows such a quotation of a federal law, and here it is. Almost a decade into the reform, No Child Left Behind, in brackets, is a large and complex piece of legislation that elicits a focus on public school education. However, the language of the federal uh, NCLB is fairly straightforward. Section 1, blah, 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 of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965, as amended by NCLB, states, accountability by, uh, for accountability for charter schools, the accountability provisions under the Act should be overseen for charter schools in accordance with state ch charter school law. Note that the quotations in, in these examples are quite short. It is almost always inappropriate to include long quotations, in other words, longer than a few sentences. In a literature review, after all, a review should be an original synthesis, not a repeat of already published materials. Guideline 9, look for methodological strengths. Uh, it is unlikely that you will find a single research article with de definitive results about any aspect of the human condition. Inevitably, some studies will be stronger than others, and these strengths should be noted in your review. Ask yourself how strong the evidence is, and keep in mind that in your role as the reviewer, you should have the right and the responsibility to make these subjective evaluations. The strength of a research article may come from the research methodology used. Do the research methods of one study improve on the data gathering techniques of earlier studies? Does uh, the article's strength derive from the size and generalizability of its subject, uh, subject pool? Does a set of studies demonstrate that the, state, that the same conclusion can be reached through the use of a variety of methods? These and other similar questions will guide you in determining the strengths of, of particular studies. Identifying methodological strengths is considered in more detail in chapters 5 and 6. The authors of example 4.9.1 discuss the strength of one particular study on school-aged children. And here it is. The Health Behavior and School-Aged Children's Study, uh, HBSC, is perhaps the single best source of data on younger adolescents in multiple countries. Involving 42 countries in Europe and North America, the HBSC conducts school-based surveys every four years with national probability samples of youth with mean ages of 11 Five, oh, 11 and a half, 13 and a half, and 15 and a half uh, years. Guideline 10, look for methodological weaknesses. Remember that you should note any major weaknesses you encounter when reviewing research literature.
The same process you used in identifying strengths should be used when you are identifying weaknesses. For instance, you should determine whether the author's research method has provided new insights into the research topic, particularly if an innovative methodology is used. Does it seem appropriate or does it raise the possibility of alternative explanations? Has an appropriate sample been used? Are the findings consistent with those of similar studies? Is enough evidence presented in the article for a reasonable person to judge whether the researcher's conclusions are valid? Here again, it may be preferable to critique groups of studies together, especially in their, if their flaws are similar. Generally, it is inappropriate to note each and every flaw in every study you review. Instead, note major weaknesses of individual studies and keep your eye out for patterns of weaknesses across groups of studies. For instance, if all the research reports on a subtopic you are reviewing are based on very small samples, you might note uh, this fact on a separate card that relates to the collection of articles on that subtopic. The authors of example 4.10.1 point out a weakness in the studies conducted on tobacco screening in college student health centers. And here it is. Few studies have focused on the tobacco screening and interventions uh, practices in college student health centers specifically, but more importantly, the literature that has been presented is primarily self-reported data by healthcare providers themselves, not students. Guideline 11, uh, distinguish between assertion, assertion and evidence. A common mistake made in literature reviews is to report an author's assertions as though they were findings. To avoid this mistake, make sure you have understood the author's in, uh, evidence and its interpretation. A finding derives from the empirical evidence presented. An assertion is the author's opinion. In example 4.11.1, readers can easily distinguish between the assertions in the body of the paragraph and the evidence-based statements in the last sentence. Bold italics have been added for emphasis. And here it is. The risk factor for uh, binge eating that has received the most attention is dieting. Uh, low 1994. Dieting is thought to increase the risk that an individual will overeat to counteract the effects of caloric deprivation. Dieting may also promote binge eating because violating strict dietary rules can result in disinherited eating, the abstinence violation effect. Moreover, dieting entails a shift from a reliance on uh, physiological cues to cognitive, cognitive control over eating behaviors, which leaves the individual vulnerable to dis, disinhibited eating when these cognitive processes are disrupted. In support of these assertions, dieting predicted binge eating uh, onset in adolescent girls, and acute calorie deprivation resulted in elevated binge eating in adult women. Guideline 12. Identify the major trends or patterns in the results of previous studies. When you write your literature review, you will be responsible for pointing out major trends or patterns in the results reported in the research articles you review. This is done in example 4.12.1. And here it is. A plethora of randomized clinical trials, or CTs, and recent meta-analyses have indicated that cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, is an eff efficacious treatment for youth with anxiety disorders. While the earliest therapeutic in interventions for childhood anxiety were merely downward extensions of adult treatment protocols, current interventions have been appropriately modified to take into account relevant considerations in treating the child population, including such factors as developmental level uh, familial factors and autonomy.
Of course, you may not be as fortunate as the reviewer who wrote example 4.12.1. There may be considerable inconsistencies in results from one research article to another. Well, when this is the case, you should try to make sense of them for your readers. For instance, you might state a generalization based on a majority of the articles, or you might state a generalization based only on those articles you think have the strongest research methodology. Either option is acceptable as long as you clearly describe to your reader the basis of your generalization. Uh, once again, careful note-taking during the analysis stage will help you in this process. Guideline 13, identify gaps in the literature. It is every graduate student's dream to discover a significant gap in the literature, especially one that can form the crux of the student's thesis or dissertation study. In fact, gaps often exist because research in these areas presents considerable obstacles for researchers. These gaps should be noted in a literature review along with discussions of why they exist. If to identify a gap you, be you believe should be addressed, make note of it and take it into consideration as you plan the organization of your review. You will often find gaps mentioned in previous literature reviews as an example 4.13.1, and here it is. The research discussed previously was mainly based on findings from Western literature conducted in the area of adolescent coping and the gender differences that existed in their coping styles. In comparison, there is a dearth of research in adolescent coping and the role of gender in predicting their choice of coping styles in Asian countries. Therefore, the aim of this study was to examine the coping behaviors of a sample of academically advanced students in an Asian context. Guideline 14, identify relationships among studies. As you read additional articles on your list, make note of any relationships that may exist among studies. For instance, a landmark research article may have spawned a new approach subsequently explored in studies conducted by others, or two articles may explore the same or a similar question, but with different age groups or language groups. It is important to point out these relationships in your review. When you write, you probably will want to discuss related ones together. Guideline 15, note how closely each article relates to your topic. Try to keep your review focused on the topic you have chosen. It is inappropriate to include studies that have no relationship to the area of study in your literature review. Therefore, your notes should include explicit references to the specific aspects of a study that relate to your topic. If you determine that there is no literature with a direct bearing on one or more aspects of your research topic, it is permissible to review peripheral research, but this should be done cautiously. Prizak and Bruce, uh, 2011, cite the example of uh, year-round school schedules implemented in Los Angeles as a curricular innovation, as shown in example 4.15.1, and here it is. When Los Angeles first started implementing year-round school schedules, for example, there was no published research on the topic. There was research, however, on traditional school year programs in which children attended school in shifts on the effects of the length of the school year on achievement and on the effectiveness of summer school programs. Students who were writing these uh, writing theses and dissertations on the Los Angeles program had to cite such peripheral literature in order to demonstrate their ability to conduct a search of the literature and write a comprehensive, well-organized review of literature. Such examples are rare, and you are advised to consult your instructor before you reach the conclusion that no studies have dealt with your specific research topic. <laughs> Guideline 16. Evaluate your reference list for currency and coverage. When you have finished reading the articles you have collected, you should reevaluate your entire reference list to ensure that it is complete and up-to-date. 
a literature review should demonstrate that it represents the latest work done in the subject area. As a rule of thumb, use a five-year span from the present as a tentative limit of coverage, keeping in mind that you will extend your research further back when it is warranted. If your review is intended to present a historical overview of your topic, for instance, you may have to reach well beyond the five-year span. However, remember that the reader of a literature review expects that you have reported on the most current research available. Thus, you should make explicit your reasons for including articles that are not current. Um, is it a landmark study? Does it present the only evidence available on a given topic? Does it help you to understand the evolution of a research technique? The question of how much literature is enough to include in a review is difficult to answer. In general, your first priority should be to publish, no, to establish that you have read the most current research available. Then you should try to cover your topics as completely as necessary, not as completely as possible. Your instructor or faculty advisor can help you determine how much is enough. Hi, this is Dr. DeReese. Do you like what you're hearing in this podcast? Would you like to hear more? Well, why not support this podcast by making a donation? The amount doesn't matter. Whatever works for you, I am certainly grateful for. And while you're at it, why not make a suggestion for what you'd like to hear in this podcast? I'm certainly open to suggestions. And let me just say, thank you for your support. Well, that's the end of this episode of the podcast, EDU, Eric DeReese University. Thanks for listening. And until next time, take care.